0: Yes, Jesus paid it all on Calvary's tree to set us free, to prepare us now for his coming. Jesus is coming again. But it's not enough that Jesus paid it all. There is more. The provision was made at the cross the provision for your sins and mine to be wiped away. But that's not all. That's not enough. There's more. Matthew 24, verse 29. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds, and the clouds of the sky, with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now Jesus in Matthew 24 is talking about what's going to happen at the end of time. We're at the end of time. Then he gives three powerful parables to talk about what we should expect at the end of time. He does not leave it I paid it all, you're home free. That's not true. It's true that he paid it all. It's not true that we're home free. When we look at Matthew 24, he says, therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So Jesus is saying there is a necessity of keeping watch. Jesus paid it, now keep watch because he's going to come. Now he goes further. Who then is the faithful and and wise servant, whom the masters put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time, And he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards. In other words, what happens when this man or this woman who's had it all paid for them? And now suddenly, they begin to walk in wickedness before the Almighty God. They begin to mistreat their fellow servants. They begin to get drunk. The master of this servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and an hour that he is not aware of, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites or the actors. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So Jesus is saying everyone that he's paid the price for will not enter the kingdom of God. There is a necessity that we be faithful Then Jesus moves to one of the three major parables of this portion of the book of Matthew. And you have to understand these parables in the light of Matthew 24. You cannot separate them out and and give them their own meaning. Jesus told these parables to specifically describe what his basis of judgment would be when he came as the Son of Man in the clouds of heaven. So don't go theology on me. Don't go philosophy on me. Let's look at the literal meaning of the Scripture for what it says. Now, Matthew 25. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins. Now, let's stop a moment. Jesus is all about establishing his kingdom. He is all about the kingdom of God. The central focus of Jesus' teaching and the reason he came to die was to destroy the devil's work and to establish his kingdom, giving an opportunity for all of us to enter into that kingdom. But as you know, everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will not enter into the kingdom of God at the end of time. They will be cast out with weeping and gnashing of teeth and great sorrow. They'll say, look, we prophesied in your name. We did these wonderful works for you. And he'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, you wicked men, you you wicked women. You did not love me. He tells this parable about the bridegroom who is coming. And a cry went out, come and meet the bridegroom. Now, you know, in that culture, the bridegroom was living in his father's house. He went to prepare a place for his bride. And when he's completed that work of the preparation, and usually it was a a year The woman was considered as married to him, but she continued living with her parents and he with his parents, and together they built another room in the house or they added on to the house. When that work was finished, then the bridegroom would come with the groomsman to pick up the wife at the house, and nobody knew when that was going to happen. We don't know when Jesus is coming, but he's coming. He went away. He went to his father's house to prepare for us a place that we could be with him. Now, there were 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. But the word says five of them were foolish and five were wise. That's half the church was wise and half of the church was foolish the foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them in other words they had no depth they had not they had not read the scriptures they had not prayed they had not earnestly sought after jesus with all of their hearts they all became drowsy at one point and they all fell asleep and that's why the church looks dead today it's asleep It's Laodicea. It's blind and naked and miserable and doesn't know it. But that's going to change. The church is going to wake up. It is going to come to life. It is going to be moved by the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see incredible and wonderful and awesome things take place. Miracles, signs and wonders. We're going to see many turn to Jesus They were drowsy. They fell asleep. But at midnight, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then the virgins woke up. They trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. See, it's not enough to say Jesus paid it all. He did pay it all. That's true. He did pay it all. But many don't know him because they never spent the time to find out who Jesus was. Institutional Christians, religion people, not Christian people, Jesus says after this parable, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. He's warning us, look, don't just settle down into your religion, but open your eyes, open your ears, search after the truth. Spend time with him. Spend time in the word. Spend time fasting. Spend time praying. Search after Jesus. And keep watch. What are you watching for? You're watching for Jesus to move and to speak and to give commands that you will obey. Now, again, the kingdom of God is going to be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. And of course, we know immediately he's speaking about himself because he left and he went to heaven to prepare a place for us. And he left his possessions behind. He left the Holy Spirit for us. To one, he gave five talents of money. We're going to catch that. The talents spoken of in Scripture in this passage are not abilities. They're not personal talents. Jesus here is speaking about money. A talent in that day, it is said, was enough to pay for the salaries of 20 men for a month. It was a very large sum of money. We don't know exactly how much it was, but a man with with ten talents would be a very, very wealthy man. Five talents would be a very, very wealthy man. So he gave five talents of money, thousands and thousands of dollars, maybe a million or more. To another, he gave two talents again, of money. And a one, one talent. Still a huge sum of money. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. Now I want you to note when the man received the five talents he immediately in the literally in the Greek he began to travel about he is on a journey he's no longer staying in the master's house he is now on a journey he is now fully employed by the master now he was a slave is still a slave but now he is enrolled in the work of the master full-time. He doesn't have his own time. He's not going to take these five talents and say, okay, my master's gone away. I'm going to go rent a nice house. I'm going to finance my lifestyle. I'm going to take vacations. I'm now, I'm now going to eat on this money that my master has given to me. No. You see, many of you believe that that Jesus came and paid it all so you could go to heaven and it's your ticket to heaven. If you think that, you're wrong. Jesus did not come and pay it all in order for you to have a vacation of life. He instead expected... That as he gave to you the Holy Spirit, you would be enrolled full time in gospel work. In the scriptures, there is no division between clergy and the laity. In the scripture, we are all ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for all of us, the work is a full time work. We don't have a part time work we don't have a sunday job where we work for the church and then during the week we have our own time we don't have in the new testament six days you labor and do your work and the seventh is a sabbath under the lord your god we don't have that in the new testament in the new testament you have seven days that belong to the lord your god you have seven days where you minister to the Lord. You have seven days where your task is to serve Jesus totally and completely for seven days a week. You don't own the money. The money comes from Jesus. It's not something that you live your American lifestyle with. You're enrolled full-time to bring forth the crop that Jesus desires. Now, First John tells us that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So our job is to destroy the work of the devil in people's lives, in institutions, in governments. Remember, everything is going to come under the headship of Jesus Christ. And so we have this joyous opportunity And because we're slaves, we're also provided for. You go to work and you receive money, but you're not at that job for money. You're at that job as a servant of Jesus Christ to further the work of the gospel, not to feather your nest, not to pay your bills. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. What things? The things the pagans run after. The car, the house, the clothes, the food. The expenses. Now, Jesus will cover the expenses. That's part of what he does. He covers the expenses. But, he expects us to work full time for him. Now, The one with two talents, he traveled about too, and he found business deals and he was successful in multiplying those two talents and he gained two more talents. Remember, we're talking about money, but the man who received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. He hid his money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned, and he called them in to settle accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. And his master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's joy, your master's happiness. The man with two talents, he also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. I have gained two more. I've doubled your money. His master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's joy. I want to tell you today, I am so looking forward to entering into the joy of Jesus Christ on the other side. I'm so eager to celebrate with you and with Jesus when we have the victory because he paid it all, and then we went into full-time employment in the kingdom of God. If you are not in full-time employment in the kingdom of God, you have gone and hidden your talent in the dirt. You've said, I've got to be about my life. I've got to take care of my family. I've got to take care of my wife and my children. I've got to get ahead in this world. Then you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, you will take care of your wife and you will take care of your children because you are employed in the work of the kingdom of God. And Jesus will ensure that you receive what you need to cover your expenses. This man says, Master, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown. In other words, Master, you're a thief. I'm not going to play your game. I'm going to take the gospel as I've understood it, and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm going to enjoy my family and my friends. I'm going to enjoy this world, because you're a hard man. It's hard to follow you. A a man said to me this last week, Jesus is hard to follow. No, he's not hard to follow if you're employed full-time in his kingdom. See, the kingdom of God is now among us, and yet it's not yet fully realized. You understand what I just said? We are now functional in the kingdom of God if we have been born from above and filled by the Spirit of God. We are functional in the service of the kingdom of God. But the Master has not yet returned. When the Master returns, we will enter into the joy of our Lord. We will enter into the happiness of our Lord Jesus. But we've not yet done that. He's still far away. He's still in heaven. We have the Holy Spirit here, though, as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Now, we have the work set before us of ministry, of calling men and women to serve and be a part of the kingdom of God, to turn men from darkness to the light, Now, I don't want to say this to you, but I need to, in all honesty. You can be about your work, even the work that you believe God gave you to do. But that is not necessarily working for the kingdom of God. If you're working for the kingdom of God, you're confronting darkness. You're confronting people who walk in that darkness. You're exposing the things that they do. And you are calling them to surrender to Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus does not begin to identify how many people you must win to him. That's not his issue. His issue is, are you working full-time for the kingdom of God? Are you doing everything in your power, confessing Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and unashamedly dealing with the pagans you meet, calling them in love to serve Jesus? I've been invited to go to a home on this coming Saturday evening for dinner. It's a pagan home. So what am I going to do? Well, I prayed about it and the Lord said, go get a box of Godiva chocolate and take it to the lady of the house. Okay. You know, it's customary to take flowers or take some gift for the lady of the house who has spent all of the time cooking and preparing the wonderful meal for you. So, That common courtesy I will exercise with a box of Godiva chocolates. Now what am I going to do? I'm going to be very interested in asking them questions about their lives and how they live and what the conclusion of living that way will be. What have they done to ensure their future with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to be obnoxious. I'm not going to be rude. I'm going to respect their home. But I am going to their home as an emissary of Jesus Christ. I belong to Jesus. I work full-time for Jesus. I don't have any off time. Every moment of my day, I am involved in service to the king of kings and the lord of lords i am a minister of the gospel of jesus christ just as you are if you claim the name of jesus christ now some of you don't seem to be interested in receiving the baptism of the holy spirit because you say i received the baptism of the holy spirit when i when i was baptized The Holy Spirit came on me when I was baptized. And yes, that's true. Ephesians, the first chapter, says that that is true. But Luke 11 seems to indicate there is something else that we must do. Let me read it for you. Suppose one of you has a friend. And he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine is on a journey. He's come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give it to him the bread because he is his friend. Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now, three loaves are identified. So I say to you, ask. That's loaf number one. Ask and it will be given to you. Loaf number two, seek and you will find. Loaf number three, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, what's he saying? What's this about? Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And then when we look at Pentecost, as we did yesterday, it's abundantly clear that the gift we're asking for is power to minister in the name of Jesus Christ. And many of you, along with me, have not yet received the fullness of that gift. And so you have worked very hard, but you've not been able to double your master's money. And some have turned bitter and said, look, I've got all I've got. Now I've got to be responsible. I've got to do this and that to pay for my family. I've got to work like a slave to pay for my family. I've got to pay everything. I've got to pay, pay, pay. No. No. That's not the gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus is that we begin to work full time for the kingdom of God. We are employed as slaves of the most high God, the doulos. Now, there was a slave, a a Greek word for slave, that meant if you worked hard, you could make it and even by your freedom. There was a slave who was allowed to have his family, his wife and his children. But the doulos slave, which the Apostle Paul calls Christians, has no right to family over the master's desire. No right to money over the master's desire. Everything belongs to the master. We are slave at his pleasure. And his pleasure, Jesus is saying, is that we receive the the wealth, the money, the talent that Jesus will give to us. And that we then use it and multiply it, doubling it, because we are working full-time in the work of the kingdom of God. So it doesn't matter whether you're going to an office, whether you're a construction worker, whether you're a hygienist or a dentist or a doctor or a government worker. In all of those places, you are called to be a servant of Jesus Christ. And yes, money will flow to you for your support, through that organization, but it comes from the hand of Jesus Christ. Let's be very clear. All good things, all good gifts, James says, come down from the Father of lights. Your job, your wife or your husband, your children, they are all gifts of Jesus They came from the Father above. You don't own them. You don't own the money. You don't own your time. You don't own your energy. It all belongs to Him if you are a part of the kingdom of God. If you are not a part of the kingdom of God, you have stolen your time. You have stolen your money. You've stolen your wife or your husband because they did not come from the hand of God. You stole them from God. You grabbed them. And in the end, he says, you've gathered where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and hid my talent, your talent, in the ground. See, here it is. It belongs to you. I'm giving it back to you now. Now, listen to how Jesus responds. You need to get this. You wicked, lazy servant. Now, Jesus will also say at the end of time, you wicked, lazy Christian. I don't want to hear those words. I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's joy, your master's happiness. You see, when I say, it's not enough that Jesus paid it all at the cross. Because if Jesus paid it all, he paid it all to set me free. And as a set free slave, now owned by Jesus Christ, I am now full time employed by the master in the work of the kingdom of God. And so I confront the darkness. I expose the darkness. Some will get very angry and walk away. In fact, most will get angry and walk away. But that's what we need the Holy Spirit to come in great power to convict the sinner of their desperate need of Jesus Christ. I can't convict you of that. Only the Holy Spirit can convict your heart. And I've been crying out to God last night, all this morning from the early hours. I've been crying out to Jesus saying, oh God, we need you. We need the power of your Holy Spirit. We are ineffectual labors until that Holy Spirit comes in power upon us. He says, Well, then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him, take the money from him. Give it to the one who has ten talents, for everyone who has, more will be given. You will have in abundance whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. In other words, when you're not employed in the kingdom of God, when you've buried the money Jesus has given you, when you've buried the assignment Jesus has given you, then it will be taken from you. And everything that you thought you were accumulating for your lifestyle will be taken away from you and you will be cast into the outer darkness. He says, throw that worthless servant, throw that worthless Christian outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you know what gnashing of teeth is? Ah, rage. Bitterness. Heartache. Heartache. Because you've not been able to achieve what you wanted to achieve. You've not been So let's be clear. This is a long parable. and it's in to be understood in the context of Matthew 24, Jesus coming again, and how he's going to deal with you and with me, As we come before his judgment bar, every man and woman will appear before the judgment bar of Jesus. He will be the judge. And some of you have believed the fantasy that at the cross, all of your past, present and sins were all forgiven and wiped out. You're good to go. And now you can enjoy your wonderful life. Wrong. Nothing could be further from the truth. You were saved from sin to righteousness for the work of the kingdom of God. You were called to be a laborer in the work of the gospel, to be employed full time. There is no retirement from the work of the gospel. There is no retirement from the work of the gospel. I have only one goal, and that is to come on this broadcast and this YouTube and plead with you that you take seriously this issue and make certain that your salvation is secured by the blood of Jesus as a free gift, and that you are then enrolled full-time in the work of the gospel. I know what happens. We want what we want. We want to go where we want to go. We want to do what we want to do. We want to own what we want to own. And if we don't get our way, we get angry. We get a grudge in our hearts because we're working so hard and we're not seeing any result. And so we become cynical and hard-edged, become angry. That's all sin against the Lord God of heaven. I'm not here to have what I want. I'm here to produce for Jesus Christ on the money he's given me. I'm here literally to work full time for Jesus Christ. And so are you. If you are a Christian, you were called to work full time for Jesus Now the next parable, which we don't have time to go into today in depth, is where he separates the goats from the sheep. And the standard of separating goats from the sheep is how you have been involved in full-time labor in kind acts of mercy for other people to minister to their needs. Particularly, he identifies Fellow Christians, what have you done this week? What have you done to lift the load of another Christian? What have you done to help financially support someone who needs your financial support, who is a Christian? What have you done to help someone who is living on Social Security? Their health is not good but they're faithful followers of Jesus and they need you to love them. As one brother said, I have a thousand hugs. I have a thousand hugs for God's people. I have a heart full of love for God's people. Can you say that? Do you have a heart full of love for God's people? Or are you cynical and angry? Are you working full-time for the gospel of Jesus in loving other people, in helping them in their journey? How do you stand with Jesus today? If he came and said, okay, give account, what have you done for my kingdom? What have you done for his kingdom? Many of you will have to admit that everything you've been doing has been basically for your own kingdom, to support yourself, to support your family, to take care of business, but not the kingdom of God. What are you doing for the kingdom of God? And what are you doing for yourself? My brother, my sister, we're called to full-time employment for the kingdom of God. It's 24 hours a day where all that we are and all that we have is given into the hand of Jesus to be used to love people, to minister to the sick, to care for the poor, to reach out, to expose the wickedness of a man or woman's heart and confront them with the wonderful news that Jesus is there to save them. He paid it all. So, be honest with me. What have you done this week for the kingdom of God? What have you done today for the kingdom of God? Has it been about selfishness and what you want? What your family wants? Or has it been about Jesus? Has it been about Jesus? Let's pray. Almighty God, I give into your hand each person listening to this broadcast. And I ask that in your mercy, you would give them absolute assurance that you paid it all on Calvary's tree. And that you would enroll them now full time in the work of the gospel. that you would call them now, Jesus, and make them very aware that they do not own themselves, that they were bought at a price, that they belong to you. And you have called them now to serve you, to be full-time employees. Lord, thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pastor Ray Greenlee. This is Pilgrim's Progress. Tomorrow will be a day of prayer. I invite you to please call and pray. Pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Pray for knowledge to know how to serve the Lord. Pray for the church. Pray for our president. Pray for the the. that the tyranny that is being forced upon us will be blocked by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're also needed. I can't continue to do this broadcast without your help, without your support. I thank The brother who came on yesterday and this morning who gave online, thank you very much for the kindness that you've shown this broadcast. It is the work of God. It is the work of the gospel. Thank you, Leslie, for the gift you sent. Thank you, each one of you. You can go online, go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and click on the upper right-hand corner. And you can donate online or you can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. The National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. We're coming to the end of February, and the bill will soon be due. And we're far short of being able to cover it. My eyes are on Jesus. This is his work. It's gospel work. Some of you have had to cut back in the amount you give. I understand. I only want you to give what the Holy Spirit calls you to give. I want you to be faithful to Jesus. In large or small offerings, some of you can afford to give five or ten thousand dollars. Some of you can only afford to give ten or twenty dollars. Whatever the Lord calls you to give, please give for this gospel work. And tomorrow, we're gonna pray. So call. Don't be shy. Jump in early. Let's cry out to the Lord together. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you with all my heart. I would love to meet you. I pray soon we'll be able to hold a meeting where those of you in the Washington area can come. I want to meet you. I want to talk with you. I want to pray with you. God bless you, my brother, sister. I do love you. I'll talk to you
1: soon. Before the presence of his glory with great joy